You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, this is Tzurim Rabon, and we are involved in Hilchas Brismila. And before we get to the main topic tonight, I'd like to share with you what I thought was an interesting chuva in 2011. So a pretty recent chuva. Let's take a look. There's a man who's been living in our city, in Munich, Germany. He came to me with this question. He said he was born in 1939 in Berlin. His father was a non-Jew, a German. And his mother was a born Jew that at a young age went through conversion, I put that in in quotation marks, with her parents in order to get more acceptance into the Gentile culture. We know this happened en masse. It didn't just happen in the 30s in Germany. Uh, it happened, uh, it was happening in Germany for for close to 100 part of German culture, Jews going over to Christianity, especially if there were some of the drumbeats and that period of Nazism and other things rising, rising anti-Jewish feeling. So that was part of the reason why his mother became a Jew. Now, however, his father, who married this Jewish woman, uh, was a katzin. He was a lieutenant, uh, or maybe even above, some sort of high position in the German army, who would and therefore, even though the Nazis didn't care because they knew that she, she, she and her parents, his mother and her his this boy's grandparents were Jewish, and that he was a Jew, the Nazis were aware of that. So somehow, because of his connections, he was able to hide his family, the father. I'm not sure, you know, if he was hiding, and the father seems to have continued to. I don't know if he joined the SS, but he definitely was. Sounds like he kept his uh, military status in the German army. Um, um, when even as a young person, uh, this boy, uh, his 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 friends always looked at him as if again. I don't know if this was post the war, seemingly. Uh, his aunt told the boy the story. And incredibly, he said, you know what? I'm going to, I want to be connected to my Jewish world. And what did he do? First of all, who mohu? He, he didn't do it to himself. He was circumcised. Now, just like our story from last week, he married a non-Jewish woman, and he has three children from her. Now, it's not a question whether those children were, if they're boys, to get a bris vila. 
He put a mezuzah in his house. Huma od reformis. He considers himself a good reformed Jew. But it's interesting. Imzo's chovish kippah gedola. He wears always a big kippah. Vizakein mater is and he has a beard. Today, perhaps it's you know maybe now fifteen, you know, uh, you know, close to fifteen years later after this chuva was written, maybe more people are are having beards. But he has the beard. He has that Jewish look about him, and he feels very close to the Jewish people. Now he thought maybe he could get his wife to convert, but nothing happened. But the point is, he wants to be an official member of the Munich German community. He wants to go into go to Eretz Yisrael, and obviously, if he goes to Eretz Yisrael, I guess he's going to take his family with them. They're going to go maybe as non-Jews. Maybe he's already at this point. Remember, it's 1939 he was born, and this is 2011. So he's already, um, at this point, over 70 years old. So he figures he'll make Aliyah. Maybe his wife will come with him. Maybe not. He wants to come and be a Jew. Now, what about the records? Well, all the records were lost, except they have his grandfather's passport. His name was Paul, his grandfather. And what was printed in the passport? The Germans put in the letter J for Hud, for Yud. Now, he also tells us that his mother, although it sounds like his mother has passed on, obviously, but she was known to the Germans on the documentation as Sarah, because that's what the Nazis did. Every every Jewish woman had the middle name Sarah. That was that was their way to indicate every Jewish woman had to whatever her name was. Her name might be Paula. Her name might be Vanessa, but she would be known as Sarah. So is that enough? to recognize by the Rabbanim in Eretz Yisrael that he's a Jew. Um, and the rabbi there in Munich said that by talking to him, I realized that if we don't accept him as a Jew, he's going to feel terrible. He really sees himself as a Holocaust survivor. So therefore, based on all those that situation about him, I think we should trust him. Because why why not? Why not? What what does he gain out of this? It's not like, you know, he's gonna you know he has a comfortable life in Germany. What is he gaining? Why can't we? Why should we perhaps that's enough of a proof we should accept him as a Jew? So the Psak comes back and it has a lot of footnotes, which I'm not gonna share with you hundred percent, but take a look. The main reason. Why was the fact that he has a bris mila? And there's no reason to assume he got it afterwards. He has a bris mila. Who would do it unless it would be a Jew? During the time of the of the of the Shoah, that itself would be a proof. And and you can see in footnote two, the rabbis from Eretzchem, the Institute, um tell you why their psak what, what what is their psak is based on um passport the passport itself isn't a proof because we don't know anything about the mother 
the fact that the grandfather is Jewish is not enough. Frank, the Rav Yerushalayim, says that Jews coming from Germany and saying they're Jewish, um, even though normally we believe a person that we don't know, and he says he's a Jew, and we accept him as a Jew, but if you know the place they're coming from is full of mixed marriages, he says ten thousand, thousands in the ten thousands. So therefore, that based on that alone, the fact that he wants to be Jewish, coming from Germany especially, might be a reason not to accept him. Um, however, there is another, what about the fact that the Germans, he, he he's telling us that he remembers that his mother was known as Sarah. He says, that's not a, that's not a proof. We know that the Germans treated everybody no matter what, even if they weren't halachically Jewish, even if their father was Jewish and their mother wasn't Jewish, they would treat them as a Jew, even if it was only one grandfather. So the fact that they called her Sarah doesn't mean that the Germans knew halacha psukha. Okay, what about the fact that his aunt spoke to him and told them the story that they were all Jewish and they converted for financial and social reasons? So we don't know exactly. We don't have a, we don't have a tape recording of what the of what the aunt said. So, um, you know, you may, maybe you could try to figure it out. Now, however, the main thing is we can believe him that he did not get this bris when he was a an adult. He's had it since he was a little baby. And they quote the Heichal Yitzchok, that is, of course, Rabbi Yitzchok Isaac Herzog, the chief rabbi of Israel, of the first chief rabbi of the modern state of Israel. That if a person is has a circumcision, then you can assume that it's because it's indicator he's Jewish. Now, this is interesting because, again, you know, Herzog lived in Ireland. He then came to Eretz Yisrael. He was familiar with the world. He wasn't a, uh, he spoke a perfect English. And, of course, he was a, he even, you know, had a, a knowledge of Torah that was scientific and empirical. Um, but he says that the bris itself is proof, especially since he's saying he is a Jew, to back him up. Um he also quotes the Sefer Orachos Mishpat, which I am not sure if who wrote that Sefer, that Mila is proof on Judaism. Um, in terms of the 2011 question, the, the it was presented to Rav Nochem Eliezer Rabinovich. Now, Nochem Rabinovich was an American rabbi in Charleston, South Carolina, also the head of King's College. Um, he was uh, Jonathan Sachs's teacher, as you know, and he was one of the people who encouraged uh, Jonathan Sachs to go into writing and teaching, even though at a very young age, he saw that Sachs had a lot of talent. And Sachs said often that it was the wisdom of his Rebbe, Nochem Eliezer Rabinovich. Uh, Rabinovich ended up going to Mala Dumim, uh, he made Aliyah from England, and he was an American boy. He learned in my yeshiva. We're both uh, from the same yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael in Baltimore. 
and uh, he is the author of what I believe a very, is a very uh, important parish on the Rambam called the Yad Pshuta, and uh, it gives you a tremendous uh, heck sources for the Rambam. So Nochem Ezer Benovich says, It must be that during after Hitler had rose to power, where making an event like this could open themselves up to Nazi informants, and they could have they could have been killed for it. So it must be that the mother. As despite the fact that she technically had become a Christian, they must have had a Mesira Snefesh for this mitzvah, and that's how they did it. So therefore, why else? We know he's from Germany, we know he's from Munich. And because you could say anybody who, who was willing to undergo a bris in Germany at that time because obviously circumcision occurs in many hospitals, and, and it's it's done not just in the Muslim world, it's done in the Christian world as well, but it seems like definitely in Germany it was the type of thing that was uh, not done. And if somebody was circumcised, right away you would think he is, he, he is a Jew. Let's now get medieval, shall we? Let's get medieval with the Rambam. So... What we, the impression we got from the Chuvas Rambam was that a non-Jew can fulfill mitzvos, and if he fulfills mitzvos, he gets schar. Even he can decide that he wants to live as a as as a, a person with brismila. Now, I pointed out that in the in in one version, the Leipzig, the Leipzig and Amsterdam edition of the Truvas Harambam, that it seems like you actually need to um, impose upon this fellow. The idea of keeping all keeping Zion mitzvahs b'nei Noach, it isn't enough that oh you want to get the scar of 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 having brismila, but you ask for it, buddy. You want to have a brismila, you're actually going by menhilchos melochim. Hamila nitztavu bo avrom v'zaro bilvad. The command, of course, is only Avram and his children. Shnemer ata v'zarecha acharecha l'deroisa. Yotze zara shel Yishmael. And we know the the Yishmaelites, in other words, so that would be the whole Arab world, would not, if they are from Yishmael, so the word Zara, right, not to be confused with Don Diego, <laughs> but Zara, Zaro is only Zara Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the Zara, so it's Yitzchak. So therefore, Avram's bracha, and together with that, the mitzvah of Mila, the bris Mila, gets hijacked, gets taken away from Esav. Esav himself did have a bris Mila, but not the Esav family. In other words, the birchas Avram isn't just a bracha that you are known as my people. It means that you are keeping the tenets and the ideas of, 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 of the religion. And therefore, it would only be B'nai Yisrael from Yaakov who are Chayim and Mila. However, he says, Amru Chachamim, 
שבני קטרו, שאם זרה של אברהם שבלאחר ישמו ביצחוק היום ובמילה. So it's interesting, the Rambam sort of has to admit, although from a philosophical state, Mila only logically seems to make sense as a mitzvah for those who are really living, testifying, embodying the idea of Avram Avinu's path of one God and acts of chesed and, 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 and the complete giving over for the betterment of the world and humanity and the mitzvahs that get you there. Therefore, Bris Mila is part of that. But Chazal, and the Rambam can't push away Chazal, say that the Bnei Ketaira, who are also Avram's children, from Ketaira, who, according to Chazal, was Hogar in a different iteration, are Chai Vimila. But he says, Hoyo v'nesa arvu hayom b'nei Yishmo v'nei Ketaira, Yishai v'okol b'mila v'shmini. So now the Rambam says, and it turns out, that you, everybody should have mila v'shmini, and and this is again a very interesting halacha from the Rambam about and uh, it sounds like that really bnei Yishmol miyakaradin and if you want to say that the Muslims come from Yishmol which again is not necessarily hundred percent true but if you want to say they do come from Yishmol then they would be they wouldn't be chayiv and mila but since all of those women I'm sorry all of those uh, boys that Ketorah gave birth to were all part of sort of the nomadic Arab type of peoples. So we know that there were a number of children, and it sounds like we're not going to, even though the Yishmolites there are putter from Mila, not Chayiv and Mila, but they'd be Chayiv based on Rove. Now this is again very strange because the Rambam Paskins and other places that that Sancheirev was Mavalvel, everybody. That when Sancheirev came, all the people in that were part of a certain geographical spot, they all ended up getting mixed up and going all over the place, and therefore we're not sure who's who anymore. We don't know who Amalek is anymore. We don't know who the Shiva Amim are anymore. The, the Shiva Umos, if there are people that we had, they, they weren't killed out in the time of Yoshua. But here the Rambam says that they would be Chayiv in Mila, because he's talking about Hayom. So it sounds like, despite the fact that Sancheirev and the Babylonians engaged in a, uh, a campaign of uh, moving the Jewish people all over the all over the map, um, not the Jewish people, the Jewish people and the, the ten tribes and others, it sounds like the Arabs basically got mixed up within each other, and therefore all the Arab peoples would be chayev in Mila. According to the Rambam, he says, Now, what does that mean? It would seem to mean in a simple shot, and again, that there's a lot of commentary on this, that you could learn it two ways. One way is if they don't go through circumcision, although they should. It's not like the other mitzvahs that if they don't fulfill, they are killed. It's not one, it doesn't become like an eighth mitzvah of a ben Noach for a person from uh, Arab lineage. That would be one shot. Okay? And again, there might be another shot to say here. Um, uh, but I, I think that would be the the straight way to learn 
Now, on the heels of that halacha, the Rambam then discusses other mitzvahs that non-Jews do. A non-Jew who studies Torah. And we're not talking here about necessarily a, a non-Jew who is studying to become a Jew. This is a this is a non-Jew who, like a Renaissance scholar, he's not trying to study Torah. Like this is like you know Pico Dula Marandello, right? That we're talking here about, uh, you know, a, a non-Jewish scholar who has no interest in becoming Jewish. Uh, John Wycliffe, whatever it is. I mean, we have there's many many examples of great great right. Christine Hayes, a lot of people think is a great scholar today. I don't believe she's Jewish, right? I think she's in Yale. Miriam, you know who she is, right? Christine Hayes. Anyway, um, the point is, is that, yeah, Chayev Misa. Lo Yasek Elabesheva Mitzvah, Shavan Dabad. They want to study? There's plenty in the Sheva Mitzvahs that they can expand about. V'chein goy sheshovas. And a guy who decides to keep Shabbos. Afil b'yom m'yemoy Even if he picks Tuesday. To be his Shabbos, this is my Shabbos. Im also so kamo Shabbos, chayev miso. If he makes that day for himself with the same type of strictures we have of Shabbos, chayev miso. So basically, these two mitzvos the Rambam holds are unique for us. They're for the Bnei Yisrael. Torah and Shabbos. Uh, you know, Bob mentioned it last week. These are these are intimate mitzvos. These are the intimate mitzvos that are, are it's like the bed boudoir of God and the Jewish people, right? Okay. It's okay. called Gezel, the Torah, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, because Shabbos is like It's like we're married to uh right at the Torah. But not Brit Mila, right? Not Brit Mila. Oh, oh well, well, that's right. We're gonna, well, it that's sounds like Brit Mila might be different, right? Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As, as, as significant as it is, it's not like Shabbos and and learning Torah. The basic principle here is that we don't allow a non, a, a, a goy. Okay, a goy here means a non-Jew who isn't yet a sheva mitzvah's acceptor. He's a non-Jew. He hasn't yet done anything formal to allow himself to live in Eretz Yisrael, right? He's a goy. You're going to see in a minute that the Rambam has a different standard for something called ben noach. But goy here means someone who isn't necessarily a a flaming pagan who does have Odazara, but he's somebody who decides that like he, maybe he'd like to keep Shabbos, he'd like to study Torah, or what would he like to do? If we're in control of them, we shouldn't let them have any sort of religion. We shouldn't have them in, have any sort of inventive like holidays or specific types of actions that are meant to be a religion for them. And therefore say this is this is what we've established. These are the these are the, these are the mitzvahs that we do. We shouldn't allow this. 
If we can control them, we say, look, you got two things to do. You, you can definitely join us. You can become one of us and keep mitzvahs like us. Mitzvahs. Oh, the Raman calls it, he's got a Torah. He has Toroso, even though it wasn't revealed from Sinai. But remember, the Rambam says that they, it, in a sense, it was, because once we know it in the Torah, we're able to discern from the Psukim that it was actually something that was part of the commands that were given to Noah. And it's part of the thing that that Moshe Rabbeinu taught was part of their world. So in a way, it sort of is their Torah, it is their guide, it is their system, and it's called their Torah. But lo Yosef, lo Yigara, but you shouldn't add to it or subtract. V'yim asak b'Torah, oshavas. That's what's in halacha Yudalif here. Ochidesh davar, or they decide to invent something else. They've got a new mitzvah. Makinoso, we physically beat him, and we onchinoso, we give him other sorts of punishments, maybe sort of maybe financial fines. Umodinoso shulchayev misauze, we tell him, we tell him, look, if we if we can, even though we control him, we don't actually burn him at the stake or stone him, but we do if we do have control in some sort of utopian type of world where they are under our control. We need to physically, well, I guess we have to warn them, perhaps. I don't know. A guy really, you don't give Asra to. So you don't have to give him Asra. But if he's doing it, you actually hit him. Maybe you give him a financial fine and you tell him that in the as far as we're concerned, you should die for this. But he's not actually killed. But then the Rambam says, Ben Noach Asos Mitzvah Mishar Mitzvah Let's say you have a Ben Noach that wants to do a mitzvah. Now, the the terminology here seems to indicate similar to what we were reading in the Chuvas Harambam last week. That if you are a Ben Noach, meaning You've accepted the seven mitzvahs. What else could he mean? Or else he would say, goy, like he said over here. Why does the Rambam change terminology? It must be a ben noach, that he's already got his seven mitzvahs. He's already accepted formally he's going to live like a noachide. That he wants to do mitzvahs from the other mitzvahs of the Torah. And again, this is what the Rambam wrote. He says, check out what I wrote at the end of Hilchos Malachim. You could get schar. We don't stop him, and he could actually, if we want, if he wants, we're not going to say he's like that non-Jew, that goy. He's a Gertoshev, basically. He's a Ben Noach. And therefore, we don't stop him, and he can actually take out the Shulchan Aruch and make sure his tefillin is, 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 is painted black, etc. It sounds like. Now, but then the Rambam switches to something. If he comes to the Beis Hamikdash with a carbon, Oyla will accept it. We'll take his Ola 
And if he comes to give us Loka for our institutions, we accept it. But Yeroli, Shanois Nasavania Yisrael. In other words, Makabun Memenu is from the Gemara itself. But the Rambam is saying, I believe that a a, a Gertoshov, a Ben Noach, so this, as he calls him, you would actually give it to our poor people, just like, and he would have the schus of supporting the Jewish poor. Because if he would be, if the shoe would be on the other foot, he would also get our money. Part of being a, a Ben Noach Gertoshov is that it isn't just because of Darke Sholom that we're going to give him our tzedakah. You give tzedakah to the non-Jews because you don't want Eva, like we saw last week from the Gemara Naveda Zoro, that you can imagine what will happen if Jews don't give in their charities to the non-Jewish causes. That's why it's very important here in America and other places that Jews have donated to all different sorts of causes that it shouldn't appear as if we only help ourselves. Again, other, other nationalities can get away with it, but we know that we can't. But I'm not talking about the, the that type of motive. Even in a motive where there aren't any political expediencies, a non a, a Ben Noach can line up in the soup, the Jewish soup kitchen, and get the food and be part of and, and go to the Tamachui and go to the Gabai and get food just like anyone else. And more than that, umitzvah alehem if you see him there, you have to give him tzedakah. You have to save him. Now, do you have to, are you machal Shabbos? So that's a model there. The Ramban talks about that in the Sefer Mitzvah. Would you be machal Shabbos for a, a, a Ben Noach? But there's definitely a mitzvah to do what you can to keep him alive. So therefore, now that he is part of us in that way, you accept his tzedakah and he can go to the Jewish causes. Avel Hagoi Remember, that's the one that he talked about in the other halacha, that we don't let him do mitzvos, who's, who's you know, he has the sniffing interest in us. The goy, shenosan tzedakah, okay, we'll accept it, because clearly it'll be, you know, we'll accept it from him, but we're not going to give it to Jewish causes. goyim. <laughs> like, we don't have to tell him that's what in 1942, just a number of years, five years after Moshe came to America, Rav Moshe wrote a tshuva to the Maram Barshansky that was the Av Bezdin in Homalia in Rusland. Now, Dr. Kogan and Miriam and Witt, you might know where that place is, Homalia in Russia. Homalia. What, the, what is the word again? Homalia, hey Aleph Mem Lamed Yud Aleph. Homel, 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 sure. Homel, Gomel, yeah. Belarus, yeah. In Belarus. So, there was a question that the rabbi of 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 Homel had. Um, what is the status really of a child in terms of the Averus of the Torah? We know he's not punished, but is it are, are these acts usur for him or is it oh minatora? Is is there an isser for a child? We know that we, we don't do we stop the child or not. So the question is, you know, what is the status of children 
and Isurim of the Torah. That's that is what um that Ramosha was asked to comment about. And Ramosha wrote to his colleague from Russia that he agreed that a child is connected to Isurim. And I'm going to read you one paragraph. A child doesn't have Isurim. He's not bound by the Isra of Nevela or Trefa. Whether you can actually feed him or not is another thing. He doesn't have, he hasn't violated an Isra. Doesn't have to do tshuva when he when he becomes an adult. It's not that this thing isn't Osir. Kamo Lagoy, or he calls it Akum. They don't even have Torah. It's not to them at all. Look what Ramotra Feinstein says. It's so fascinating. You have to say that this is Osir, though. This is a Jewish child. He's part of the B'nai Yisrael who stood at Sinai. Little children were at Sinai as well. Taira is given to all of Klal Yisrael, not just the, 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 the adults. The Shavua that Klal Yisrael took is binding on everyone, and it was binding even on the minors of that time. Because if you say that the children were not part of Matan Taira, and every single child that is born till he's bar mitzvah, is not really part of the Torah. He's just training and observing. So, Then how, what's the magic switch that when he comes 13, he has chayiv and all mitzvahs? He never was asked to accept. And you can have a ger tzedek who accepts. So the, the, the bechira of a person can accept upon himself in a formal way, he now is bound to do it. You make a shvua, you're bound. You can make a shvua, you can bring a carbon, you make a shvua to do a mitz, to do an act. But a 13-year-old doesn't have to say, I hereby accept, right? Even though in the old, they are, all right, today I am a man. No, do we tell the 13-year-old that he has to go to the mikvah, be makabal mitzvahs? No. Why not? Elevadai, the reason is, He's part of that Kabbalah, whether he wants to or not. He does live in a world where this is Nevela, and this is Treif, and this is Shatnes. But, He has a heter. He has a heter that that if he wears Shatnes, it's not a problem. That he hasn't violated an Yisra. But it's still an Isser. But he's Mutter. He says it's similar to the idea of Chometz. Chometz, even is Usser only, again, I work in a plant, we're very worried about Chometz because we're making products for Pesach now. But Chometz, even if you don't care about it until Rosh Nisan, the principle, the idea of Chometz is a reality. It's only on Pesach you have to worry about it. Or even what I call you a Malocha on Shabbos. True, on Shabbos and Yontif, that's when you can't do a melocha. But he says, even on a weekday, you go to a person, hey, can you do a melocha on Shabbos? No. It's not Shabbos yet, 
but the idea of the malacha is real and and, and, and and it takes a place not just in your psyche when Shabbos comes, but you are a person who is chayiv in doing and not doing malacha even during the weekday. And you are a person even throughout the year who can't eat chametz. Now, when that happens, now it kicks in and you're going to be punished. You'll get chorus or you'll get you go to you get skila for being machal Shabbos. In the same way, he says the koton is bechalal kabbalah satera, and therefore the isurid will kick in. Just like when it's Shabbos, of course, when Shabbos comes, we can't do melacha. For the koton, when he goes through his age and becomes thirteen, so that's when the isurim kick in. Therefore, if Moshe says a koton halachically, and quoting here. The shach in Yeridea, that a cotton can shecht if an adult is watching him. So even though you'll say that, well, a cotton can eat treif, cotton doesn't have to eat food that, that is shechted, but he's connected to the idea of shechita, even as a child. And therefore, even though he can eat the novella now, and maybe according to one opinion in the Maroyim, you could feed him Nevela. But since it's still a Nevela with him, it's th- that thing is that thing is part of a world that he lives in. And it's and it, it would be called Isser. He's part of that Torah world that makes it Osir. Because basically he is going to be, whether he likes it or not. He's connected to kosher meat. And therefore, he is connected to this idea of shechita. And if, he, if, his, if he's able to do it properly, you can, he can halachically be the shochet. But a goy, kodim shenis gayer, even a sheva mitzvah's goy, ain't a love shem iser klau. It's not an oser. Because the lonit nuluhuatayra. Tayra is not connected to him. Therefore, he says, a child, if he does the mitzvah, he gets schar. Even though he's not chayev, it somehow accrues to him. The, the, the perfect little goody two-shoes boy who does those mitzvahs will find that the Rabbi Shalom gave him schar, right? He gets when he Achamei of Esrim, he'll discover the mitzvahs he did as a little boy. Ramesha says a non-Jew less schar. A non-Jew does not have schar. The Gemara Babakama thinks that maybe the Gemara Babakama says that if he learns his own sheva mitzvahs, he'll get schar because the Torah says Asher Yasa Ha'odam. Ha'odam means even non-Jews. And that the non-Jews get a scar for learning about their Sheva mitzvahs. But you need a special Pusik to tell you that. Why? Because once again he says, the non-Jewish world was not part of Kabbalah Satera. Kabbalah Satera was so definitive and so unique and so different that it creates a total insular world for us. And therefore these things are not mitzvahs lididu klal. They're not mitzvahs for a non-Jew. It's not, you can't fulfill it. But a cotton is part of Kabbalah Satera. But he, the command hasn't kicked in. That's why he gets a schar. 
And that's why his shechita is kosher. Now, he makes a difference, though, between whether a cotton can write tefillin, or write a mezuzah, or be a shochet. Okay. And, and, and he, he shows there's a difference between ukshartem, uvezavachta, kasher tzivisicha. Anyway, that's where Moshe, or Moshe wrote, and he printed it in the Chelek Aleph of Yeridea. There is a quite a prolific writer. His name is Yisroel Shapansky. Yisroel Shapansky was uh, the editor of the Or HaMizrach journal, and he wrote gigantic books. Takonos be Yisroel, Shuvas from all about Eretz Yisroel, um, he was a very prolific writer and, and very well known in the Torah journals, and many of his articles have become books. When Ramosha's Tshuva in Yeridea came out, I think it was in the early uh in the early 60s, in 61, um, he wrote right away to Ramosha. Yisrael Shapansky. Look at Ramosha's answer to him in Khalid Bay's. I don't have any time. It's 1961. Rav Moshe is Grand Central Station. Everything is happening. He's got to answer everybody. And the questions are very prevalent. They're prevalent and they're relevant. Prevalent, relevant. They're very relevant about things that happen, happen. Why? But therefore, I really shouldn't really answer you. Because this is not really so relevant, but you were so um, you were so shocked by what I wrote, and you and you and you 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 sort of like you know built an attack against me that because my words seemed to be so wrong, and you thought that I was actually contradicting things that are mafurish, like the Rambam, right? <laughs> so therefore, I have to answer you. Um, once again, Rav Moshe, just like Rav Tzvi Kalisher wrote to Azriel Hildesheimer, when you are honest and you write your opinion, God should help us all that we should understand what's right. Okay, your first question was, how can I say that a goy has no schar? The Rambam in the Parashah Mishnah and Trumas writes that a Goy's Truma has a shame Truma, according to a, a, a Tanetic opinion. His hektish is hektish. The Rambam says why. This is from the Parashah Mishnayas. They're not chayiv in it, but if they do what they have, schar. Since they can be partners with us in the reward they get for their actions in mitzvahs. So, again, the Rambam here seems to be his opinion in Hilchas Mila and in Hilchas Melochim and in the Truva Saramba. Says Rav Moshe, the Rambam's only talking about Truma Hektish. Rak Eil Mitzvah Hektish Vitzdoka. How do we know that? Well, Bolok, the king of Moab, we know God gave him scar for Karbonis. And Nebuchadnezzar, we know from the Psukim in Daniel and the Gemara Bava Basra that Nebuchadnezzar got a scar for, for doing positive tzedakah. 
So anything, or speaking nicely. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? The, the, the daughter of Lot, who, right? The one who is the mother of Ammon. That she gets a she gets a kov that from her speaking, right? She had a certain schar that her children got part of Klal Yisrael. Nebuchadnezzar took three psiyos to be machabed the Torah. So all these what Rav Moshe is clearly talking about ethical derecheretz things, Goyim gets schar for that, giving tzedakah, helping the community, donating. But Shmira Shabbos v'yontev, v'hanochas tefillin v'tzitzes v'sukah v'lula v'shoyit v'achilas katrus v'ziras mishatnez v'kedayma ain't lem shum schar ozeh. They can't get schar. Why? They ain't shaykh and klal v'mitzvah seilu. They're not connected to them. They're not part of Kabbalah Satayra. It's not a mitzvah. So how could they get schar? It's an insular world. What do you think? They're schar? Everybody could just break into it? This is our world, these mitzvahs. They have nothing to do with being a better human. Keeping Shabbos, yes, okay, we know it, it, it makes you think more about God as the creator, but it's not about making like society nicer and better and, and spreading the wealth, putting on tzitzis and tefillin. They're not part of that. That's Kabbalah Satayra. He says it's muhrach misvara. But I, it's Mukrach and the Rambam. Can you imagine? We read the Rambam; it's the exact opposite, right? And Rav Moshe writes that no, that it's Mukrach to say in the Rambam like him. What does the Rambam say? Goy sheosak b'teira, goy sheshovas. Even from one of the days of the week, it makes a moyed. He's chayiv misa, and we don't let him do any religion, right? That's what the Rambam says. We don't, so, so Rav Moshe asks, why can't he add? Add a mitzvah. We can't say we'd like to take, since we've got the Medinas Yisroel, that we should take on Sukkot, we should take a Sabra pair as part of the, as part of our Dalad Minam. We can't, we can't do that. That's Baltoisif. Where do you know that a Goy is, is a, a non-Jew, doesn't have an issue with Baltoisif, that has an issue with Baltoisif? Now, it's true we can't learn Torah. It's true we can't keep Shabbos, but that's because, as Ramesha says, not because he's adding a mitzvah, it would seem. It would seem because the Pasuk says, Lom lo yishbosu by Noach. That the Be'nene Noach have to cons- consistently work. And Torah is because it's Meirosha. It's like you stole a person's wife. Torah is our thing. It's our unique, intimate thing. But other mitzvahs it shouldn't apply to. Especially since even if he doesn't keep our Shabbos, he keeps Tuesday, it's still usher. It must be. The Rambam was bothered by, Ramesha says. Why is it there it says you have to always work? Non-Jews, you have to keep on working. It's not just you have to keep on working. It's the reason why he can't have a day off because then it looks like he is creating a religion. One of the, the, the templates, the, the cornerstones of what makes us look like we have a religion is keeping Shabbos. We have a day off, and everything circles around that. If he has Tuesday off, 
and everything works up to Tuesday, he is in a way planting the flag of a new religion. Because Zion mitzvos can't be a new religion. The Rambam Shita is about Zion mitzvos, as we know, in the eighth, as, as Ramesha quotes from the eighth parak of Hilchas Melochim. It's because Moshe Rabbeinu told us in the Torah, and we know it as that's what B'nai Noach have to do. And that's every non-Jew has to keep Zion mitzvahs if he becomes a Ben Noach for that reason. For if they make up their own day, and it's a day that they rest, it's a day that they eat turkey, it's a day that they eat pig, whatever they're doing, it's a day that they watch Jerry Springer, or whatever it is. Why are they doing that? That means this is my off day, this is my holy day, this is my Sabbath day, this is my religion day. So that's why the Torah is telling you when it says they, the Torah doesn't want that to happen. Because if that happens, then the, this, this balance between the Taryag and the Sheva Mitzvah falls apart. So therefore the Rambam says for sure, if they make up a whole complete religion, and it's full of mitzvahs, not just one. For example, he says, like the Arabs, that they have from their Quran, they have many, many laws. Even though you might want to say they're keep, they believe in one God, and basically a, a good Muslim keeps the seven mitzvahs, he's high of Misa, because he doesn't say this came from Moshe. He says this is what was revealed by God to Muhammad. So it turns out, Ramosha says, the Rambam has 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 used the rationale behind a goy not keeping Shabbos to say all mitzvos are that way. And the Rambam is darshan time the crow. And it's not from the mitzvahs that he's chayiv in. It's not from the Sheva mitzvahs. I want to do this mitzvah. That's creating a religion, the Rambam's, the Ramosha says. So how could you get schar? Even if you want to say, oh, he just wants to do it once. He wants to shake a lulav once. He doesn't want to make lulav natural for him every sukkah. But one sukkah, he wants to shake a lulav in it in a sukkah. Now, it still doesn't make sense. Why? If you're going to tell me that he can do it one time, and if he does it one time in his life to do it, he's going to get scar. You can't say that if he decides to keep on doing it all the time, it should be us, sir. If you, what's the difference? Oh, if you do it once, well, that's not part of your rule. Just wanted to get a sense what it was. If you want to keep on doing it every year to get scar, it's illogical to say that it should be us, sir. And to say the opposite, that he can always do it, and it's mutter, because he's he's just trying to do what Yisroel is chayavin, because he knows it's a mitzvah, and he thinks he's going to get something from it. And the only time it's usher is if he feels it's his command, like from Muhammad. So that means, Ramosha says, the isser is only based on what he's thinking. That if he thinks it's for him as some sort of revealed religion, it's usher. But if he knows it's through the through what what God 
told the Jewish people and he wants to get in on the cake, that's not awesome. That's impossible. Because first of all, we only have that difference when it comes to Baltosif. Am I doing this because I think it's part of Basar V'chalov? Or am I doing it because I'm doing it as a Chumrah? And since he is doing it, and he wants it to be a mitzvah, although he's, he's not commanded in it, isn't that really a Chiddush Dos? Yes, he knows he doesn't get the scar like the Jewish people do. But he still feels it's a command, and he wants to get in on it. The same thing would be with Shabbos. Let's say he would keep Shabbos, not because he thinks he's commanded in it, because he wants to get the schar of Shabbos. That's also a chiddush to us. The fact that he knows he's not really commanded in it, that doesn't take the Isser away. But Ibn Zimra explains the Rambam that it's dependent on what his kavana is. Why he's doing it. He's wrong. I'm, I know Reb David Ibn Zimra lived 500 years before me. Let me say it better. I know Reb David Ibn Zimra lived 400 years before me, but this is a sefer that wasn't part of our library. They found it only recently, in the last couple hundred years, Basic Saviyad. So when you have a book, despite the fact that the author is a celebrated one, but it's from some manuscript. Some sort of mistake fell into the manuscript. You could say, we didn't have it all the time. Or maybe some other student added something. So this is Ramosha's opinion to downplay Rishonim that we find from manuscript copies that weren't revealed up until the present time or even 100 or 200 years ago. Or whenever they, this Radvaz was printed, even for the first time, Ramosh is able to knock it away. And this was the opinion of the Chazanish and others, that they limited what their source materials were, what they would gain from. And this is one of the places where you see Ramosh's sheet on that. And he says, this that the Rambam says that a, a Ben Noach, we're going to let him do the mitzvah, that's only a heter. A, a, a Sheva mitzvah guy has the right to do mitzvahs. But first of all, it's got to be only once in a while. That's one thing. And secondly, he's not getting scar. And even though the Rambam says to, in order to get scar, that's what he thinks. And the Kiddush is you might think that you should stop him because he thinks he he's might be creating his own religion. The Rambam says you can do it once if you want to. So Rav Moshe really um, does a number on this Rambam. And I think it really flows from his inability to wrap around his head the idea that mitzvahs are, are, are connected to the non-Jewish world. His idea of mitzvahs, as I said, is insular and logical in a way. His split between ceremonial and ritual mitzvahs and more expansive uh, charitable mitzvahs seems to make sense. But it seems to go against the plain meaning of the Rambam, what the Rambam wrote in his Truvis. I want to end tonight 
with a um, a parallel to Rav Moshe that we find in the writing of of one of the great uh, Achronim, the Marshal. The the Marshal writes clearly: to steal, to be a thief or a robber from a non-Jew is usur, even if it's not about chilul Hashem. However, you don't have to return his lost object. Okay. It's usur, the marshal says, to fool a non-Jew. It's usur to engage in uh, deceitful behavior where the non-Jew is fooled by you at the grocery checkout stand, even if he's not aware of it, even if he made the mistake himself. He thought it was the, or he says, oh, this isn't the organic bananas, are they? Oh, I get, they don't look organic. I'll just charge you 69 cents instead of 99 cents. So that's a toast of a non-Jew. So in that case, you need to tell him, look, and even though you know it's the organic that costs 99 cents, you tell him, look, it's your cashman. Now, I've talked about this case of the, the the grocery checkout. That's only if it's a mom and pop store where the guy who's at the checkout is the owner of the store. If the guy at the checkout is just some some kid that they hired for summer or someone who's just been working there for 25 years but is not the owner, then they don't have a right to... to <laughs> they're not the owner. If it's the guy who owns the store, then it's past, then this halacha could make sense where you can tell him, look, is that what it is? You're the owner. I'll I'll rely on what you say I owe you the money. Uh, if you owe money to a non-Jew, you can't, the Rabbi Marshall says, you can't not pay him. Now, however, it, which is stealing from a non-Jew. And he says, how do we know the Gezel is also? Because the Pasuk says, Meaning, when can you run ramshackle over the non-Jewish world when we are in control in the, like the time of Yoshua, the Gemara says. But not when we're not in control. When there's a mitzvah, mochemis mitzvah, to fight with them, then we have a right to damage them and take their things. And that's part of Mohammed's Rishus. It's got to include also, in a way, what we would call robbery other times. But if it's a time of peace, even if they're, then we, we can't steal from them. Now, the Rambam says, however, and this is where the Marshal disagrees, that as far as theft goes, Shavin ben Yisrael Lagoy, a Jew and a non-Jew, says the Rambam in Ilchaz Gzela, is exactly the same thing. And if you steal from a non-Jew, you're over the law of Lo Sigzo. The same, or Lo Signo. Ke'ilu gonev mi Says the Marshal, despite the fact that you know he says it's Osir, he's not telling you should go out and cheat non-Jews and steal from them. But it can't be the same Isser. The dover teimahu be'enai. Ki atayra be'chololo uveprato v'yisrol nitno. The Torah was given to us and therefore, even the victim has, if it says don't steal, it means don't steal from a Jew. That's what the words of the Torah mean. 
Now, even though the, we bring a Pusik, it's only an Asmachta. It's only a smach. It's not a. It's not from the Torah. And even if you want to say that it's a real drasha, it's not as it's not the iser of stealing from a Jew. It's not leisigzo and leisignoiv. Rashi in Sanhedrin says clearly that it's only midrabon, and if you hold gnevas goy is oser, it's rabbinic. Now, it says, you can't uh, not give money to your, your Jewish friend. That's the one you have to pay. And the Rashi says, because of Chilol Hashem. So Rashi's opinion in Sanhedrin, yeah, the Rambam says it's an Isra Midaraisa. The Marshal, like Ramesha Feinstein says, and again, think of what the Marshal is saying, that the Torah is to us, so even when God wrote Lo Sigzo, Lo Signov, he was referring to the insular community of the B'nai Yisrael. We know non-Jews exist, of course. But if it says Le Signov, it's to our tribe. This is now this again, Ramosha said it by Tfilin and, and and other things. The Marshal using that same idea. Has it even more expanded that Losignov can't apply to a non Jew? Now, Rashi says it's about Chil Hashem, which means if you don't have to worry about Chil Hashem, you might have a heter. She says, I don't know, that's not true. It's also to steal from a guy, even if it's not about Chil Hashem. Why? Now, again, if, if you're the Rambam, well, humans are humans. God doesn't want this act. A guy has money too. That's the Rambam sheet. That a guy's money is a money, his world is that, and the Torah writes like signal, but it includes non-Jews, exactly like it includes Jews. The Marshal, though, has to say that it's because it's not an it's not the right thing to be doing. It's the type of thing that'll get bad headlines, but not because of Kilwashem. It's also something that builds within you the wrong type of midos. You should stick with your own stuff, Yarkakatsmum and Akir. And definitely, it, it'll turn you into a ganif. Don't 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 let it become a habit. But it's only Osir de Rabbanon, and it's not because of Chil Hashem. So I think you see the antecedent to Rav Meisha here. I don't know. It, it could be Rav Meisha might agree with the Rambam here, but you see this approach, and I think this is really a, a, an approach that that is built on a philosophy of what the Torah is, and what is what does it mean to be part of Kal Yisrael. And... Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.